Hey, welcome. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Check the Mark. Thanks for tuning in. First off, got a great guest today. Michael Joyce is on the show. He reached a career high, I think, around 60 in the world as a pro player, former Kalamazoo champion, I think Wimbledon Juniors champion. Michael was the subject of a fantastic David Foster Wallace essay. David Foster Wallace followed him around, I think, for a week, watched him at a tournament, and then wrote a, a brilliant piece about him. I suggested reading. Best known for a great career as a coach, notably with Maria Sharapova, multiple Grand Slams there, Victoria Azarenka, Joanna Conta, Gina Bouchard, Jessica Pegula, many, many great players. Michael is a, just a, is a wealth of knowledge. He's someone who tells it how it is, and I'm really excited to chat with him today. I think it's going to be a great conversation for you. Before we get to Michael, French Open's in the books. Novak Djokovic, again, probably really cementing his GOAT status, winning his 23rd Grand Slam, putting him ahead of Roger and Rafa for good. Probably got a few more slams in the bag. On the women's side, Iga Swiatek, so good on the dirt. Second year in a row, I believe, in Paris. We're onto the grass. When you're watching the grass court tennis, especially early in the grass court season, don't believe the results. Crazy things happen. There's always questionable status of the courts. You know, the courts bounce, the courts don't bounce, the court, the ball rolls sometimes on the grass court. You never know. And some people put a lot more effort in the grass season than others as far as their preparation goes. So don't believe the early season results. At Wimbledon, usually the results go a little more according to form because those courts are so firm. They've become so bouncy over the years. And pushing the tournament back a week, it's been better weather. Better weather, higher temperatures, firm courts, bouncier courts, pretty much good for everybody and it plays a little more like a hard court, which means more players with different styles have a chance for better results and results that are a little more according to form that you might see the rest of the calendar. I'm headed over to London in a few days, try to get you some reports with boots on the ground. Around the corner after the break, we got Michael Joyce. Enjoy. All right, I want to welcome Michael Joyce to Check the Mark. Michael, thanks for joining. Oh, thanks, Mark. Excited to be be here. Dude, uh, Michael, first of all, I wanted to have you on for a long time, and I, I was hoping to do it in person, but obviously we're you're on the road in Colorado Springs right now. I'm in California. First things first, I mean, most people know you as the former coach of Maria Sharapova when she made her breakthrough, then Coach Jesse and Victoria Azarenka, more people, I mean, player after player, um, <laughs> English player, I'm, I'm oh, Joanna, um, Conta right now, and, and many more. But you were a player. People, <laughs> I don't think, I think people kind of gloss over your playing career. Um, <laughs> looking, you know, looking back at your background as a player, did you get to watch any of the, of the Novak over the weekend? Oh, um, yes. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. I, actually, thank, thanks for the introduction. That makes me feel really old. I think, I think when you're <laughs> old, as old, you know, when you get really old, then the players start piling up, it seems like. <laughs> uh, no, no, no what, I, what Novak has done is, I mean, all three of those guys, but he's totally eclipsed it at this point now, I think. I mean, winning all four Grand Slams three, at minimum three times each. Um, not to mention what he's gone through, missing tournaments and, you know, the whole vaccine thing. It's it, it's totally incredible. I, I think we've been able to witness history, all of us, for the last 20 years. When you watch him play, what kind of stands out to you the most? Or is there something about him that you kind of appreciate yeah. in particular? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back kind of like when I played, um, usually like everybody, even the great players, I mean, Sampras and Agassi and Chan, I mean, no matter how courier, I mean, you could go through the list. Um, obviously, they're 
amazing players, but they, they all had like some kind of little weakness or something, you know, I mean, Agassi was like probably the, the most complete for me to play against, but like Sampras, you know, you could hold serve a few times or, you know, Chang, maybe you could, somebody could, but, but he, Novak does everything. Um, obviously, you know, his defense is incredible as he's now, uh, seems like he can play all day and he's, um, you know, he can play offense. That's why he's been able to win on all the surfaces. Um, I don't think we'll see a player. I mean, his, Alcaraz is amazing and some of these young guys, but to have his longevity and to have that kind of drive and, and improve as much as he has all the time. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think we'll see anything like it ever again. You know, when we would be out there on the road, I would love to kind of, I always like to pick your brain about what, you know, what it was like when you were playing some of the, you know, the all-time greats that, that I watched as kids, you know, the Agassiz, the Sanders. Sure. Well, what was it like? I mean, being on the court with Andre, yeah, the, I always get this point that pops up on Facebook of when Andre hit the over the shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the you, Rick Smith, I'm like Rick Smith of, uh, I feel like the posterized child, the, the Jordan poster, you know, where he's dunking. I, I, I see that all the time. <laughs> yeah. no, but what was it? What was it like playing the, you know, one of the all time greats? Because not that many of us, especially, I mean, people who listen to podcasts, you know, like this, you know, we haven't had the experience of being on court, with, with, at least across the net from something sure. like that. What, what's it like? Oh, well, I, I, it's funny. The first time I played him, I actually played him twice. That, that shot he hit, I think, was the second time I played him. The first time I played him in Washington, D.C. and I actually like qualified, so I won like three matches, and then I won two matches in the main draw. So I, I was going to play him in the sixth match, and and it was funny because you know I was a little little sore, a little tired, whatever, but nothing crazy. And then that particular match, he beat me two and two, and I woke up the next day and I felt like I got hit by a truck. Like he he made you work so hard um, for every point that even when you play like a couple great points, and it's like you know you're serving at thirty all, and you're like like exhausted and you look over and he's just like you know his stance and he's right up there and it's like uh, I got to go through this for two hours or whatever (laughs) it was really tough I mean the only other guy that um was similar to that for me was Rios I mean he he in some ways was almost when he was playing well almost tougher than Agassi because he was lefty um but those two guys you're actually going on the court like trying to win games you know hoping you 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 put on a good show because uh, especially for the type of player I was because I I played similar to those two just they were better at everything um you know at least with some of the other guys the big servers uh Beck, you know, Beck, Steak and Becker at um even Sampras like you know like you're going to be able to hold serve um you know most of the time so it's a little bit like uh, you don't feel like they can make a fool out of you. But those guys, for me, were were the toughest, obviously. And then t- towards the end of my career, guys that weren't, you know, uh, superstars, but, you know, guys like Michael Russell and Cecil Mamet and, you know, these guys type of guys uh, were tough for me because they uh, got so fast. They started sliding on the hard courts. And, you know, it, it was like um, you could see the tennis just getting kind of tougher and tougher. When that was happening, it kind of reminds me of the time when I started to see guys who play who started to play real heavy, like some of the early guys who used Luxalon. The, the, right. I started to see. I saw some of those guys in college, like as I got older in college, and some of there were some young guys, some freshmen that you know were playing with this sure. guy I'd never even heard of, and, and all right. of a sudden, like the shape of the ball and and how physical the game became so fast. 
you know, it was right. like changing before my very eyes. Is that kind of like what you were seeing with those exactly. guys? Exactly. It, it, very similar. Exactly. But also, I felt the same way with the those Babalots that came out. The one, uh, the blue one and, yeah, the, blue and the red one. Yeah. yeah, like there was a period of time, like, Sam, I mean, uh, Roddick used the blue one. and But there was a period of time there where I felt like when those rackets came out, within like a year or two, there was probably like 40 to 50 guys um in the top 100 that started to use those rackets and uh a funny story actually uh, and i was using my yonix that i'd been using for like six seven years and i you know i could hit the ball on a dime but all of a sudden these guys uh, with coming out with those rackets um there was one guy in particular i remember ivan miranda was his name uh, i think he was from south america somewhere but i had played him I remember a year or two before and he was serving maybe like 115 and, you know, he was a good solid player, but I felt like I was on the offense most of the match. And then about a year or two later, I played him in Memphis and he was using the blue Bob a lot and he was serving like 130 oh. and then hit, and then his backhands and spin and one hander and stuff were like, like jumping off the court and pull. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? It's like, the same he, guy. He can't, he can't be the same guy. Yeah, and I remember I went home. I told my dad. I said, I finally, like, I have to switch. Like, you know, I didn't really know how or what to do, but my dad went to the store, and I got I tried a couple of the Bobolots, and, and the, the uh, blue one was way too powerful. And then I went to the red one, and it was funny because the first six months, I felt like I was playing much worse, but I was actually starting to win matches. And like uh, what I figured out over time was that my ball, everything was just had a lot more on it. So the points were shorter, um, even though I missed balls, but like my serve got bigger. And so I was kind of like gaining some from the racket, but I actually didn't feel like I was playing as well as I did with the Onyx. And so that was actually like a big lesson for me. And then obviously that that's about the same time the string started kind of changing and stuff. And so, um, you know, it was a, I could imagine what the players that actually grew up um, with those strings and rackets, that's why, you know, you see, you know, the strokes are a little different and, and stuff, but like it, it, the technology has definitely changed the game quite a bit, which also makes the, like somebody like Novak even, even more impressive because he's been able to um, even Rafa too, like and fed also like been able to kind of play through those change and, in, in, in generations a little bit. So as you transition to coaching, I mean, I'm just I'm curious what it was like for you playing a certain type of way, and obviously you know, having you know seen the game one way for so long. All of a sudden, you know, you got into working with Maria very quickly, and you're forced to see the game from someone with a totally different skill set. And then obviously the players you work with after, you know, working work with Jesse, who was you know who was a teenager, and then you know Vika, right. people that maybe Vika might have maybe been the most I don't know maybe the most similar to you how you played. I'm not sure, but. Um, how, how was it for you trying to see the game through someone, through someone else's eyes like that? Yeah, well, it was, you know, I mean, even somebody, it was, I felt like it was really easy for me to kind of transition to the women's game, kind of, because it, it, it's true. I mean, when I was playing on tour, I never really paid much attention, you know, to the women, you know, unless you're watching a, you know, a final. Yeah, you're, you're worried about yourself, about yeah. your own I wasn't, career. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't really like paying much attention. And then, you know, as I, I was kind of like towards the end of my career, I, I started hitting a lot with Maria. She was like 14, 15. And, you know, Alexander Stevenson was there. So, and I was spending a lot of time at home. So I was hitting with those girls quite a bit. <clears throat> Couldn't quite figure out why they weren't playing together. But, 
I figure, you know, we, we know the women's tour, but, you know, for me, it felt like a lot of the, um, uh, patterns and, and a lot of the mentalities that kind of, I had as a player transitioned pretty well to the women because I wasn't really like, I was a solid player, but I wasn't like uh, having a huge serve or, you know, looking to, you know, big things for me were taking the ball early, <coughs> excuse me, taking balls out of the air and you know, taking time away from opponents. And I felt like that kind of transition to the women's game, uh, fairly easy you know if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure i mean i think when you think about all those things you mentioned i think there's there's such a you know such a premium for them in, in today's game and particularly you know the ability to take away time the ability to rush right. somebody especially right when playing, you know, yeah someone who yeah. wants to hug the baseline right and and i think also like with maria um that's probably how i helped her the most because obviously you know she had great strokes and you know she um hit the ball, you know, a ton and, you know, stuff like that. But I feel like I was able to help her, you know, come to, you know, take balls out of the air more, um, not just have be super solid, but with her ground strokes and, but also, um, you know, capitalized by, you know, taking time away, understanding court position, um, you know, those kind of things that were really big for me um, to even compete at a high level because I didn't have like huge weapons and obviously somebody like Maria that had the weapons. I think that's probably like how I was able to help her the most. I'm thinking about Maria. I'm thinking about the times when, you know, when Shelby played her, when I was coaching Jeannie and Jeannie played her, you know, when you see Maria in the tunnel before a match and she's bouncing around and she's, she's getting loose and and she has that, that ice cold stare through you. Like (laughs) it's intimidating for me as, you know, as coach for the other player, I can imagine what it's like, for a player who's going on court with her, but is that is that like a learned thing? Is that Maria? That's how she is, or is that something you know that she kind of set out to do? I'm curious the how she got into that state, and I think you know Vika maybe was pretty similar the way that she kind of geared up for matches for those yeah. you know those greats. What's the what's the the process as they get ready to to go out there mentally? Yeah, well, I think I mean. I mean, with Maria, I always felt like it was interesting because, like, you know, off court or practice, like, she liked to have a good time and she was funny. And, you know, in practice, she obviously was serious, but we could joke around. But I think she knew she had to be, like, 100% focused on the task at hand, <laughs> you know, and not just the focusing on what she needs to do, but, you know, a few tactics and certain things. But uh, her way of focusing was kind of like, you know, really – kind of going into her own world and, you know, getting really serious. And, and then I think probably as time went on, um, she realized that that was in a way intimidating. And, and, and in, a, in a lot of cases you could, you know, maybe even win the match before it starts. You know? yeah. And um, so I think it's like, I think it's somewhat learned, but it's somewhat the person's personality. And, um, you know, Vika, Vika and Maria, uh, have a lot of similarities. There's no doubt. I mean, um, you know, e- even the upbringings and, and, um, you know, they both, both didn't have like huge access. I mean, obviously once Maria came to the U S and Vika came to the U S a little bit later, but you know, um, they were playing either at a really small club or they had, I mean, Vika was telling me stories about, you know, national tennis center, Belarus. I mean, like, you know, she was there like all day and she had to hit like in between the courts because if they, she That's couldn't crazy. get a court sometimes wow. or like, 
you know, they had to hit against, like, even to even hit a tennis ball across the net, um, she had, there was like a wall there and she, the wall's still there. And she told me she had to hit like a hundred in a row before she could even like, even think of taking a lesson or doing something, you know? And then Maria has stories where she was in like Sochi playing underneath a freeway and they only had 30 minutes, uh, four in a court with like each, each kid, like, like with two balls, like, and so like if you miss or whatever, you're like, you know, so those are like their first introductions to tennis. So, uh, when Maria came to us and went to ball Terry's or whatever, she said it was like, like a dream to have all those courts and, you know, and then compared to like kind of how we grew up or <laughs> how um, a lot of the, 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 the kids grow up these days, you know, take it for granted sometimes that they have all the courts or they have the, you know, and so I think that had a lot to do with it, um, obviously from a young age, but then I, but then also you, you can learn and you can improve. And, and I, I re- they realized both them obviously uh, realized, especially Maria, probably a little bit more, um, I don't want to say stable, but you know, she's like, um, obviously Vika had, is super mentally tough as well, mm-hmm. but like Maria, like kind of really thrived on that. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and that, that became one of her big weapons. There's no doubt. So it was kind of somewhat born, but then obviously improved as, <laughs> as her career went on. Yeah. I'm curious then, you know, when you transition to coaching, you know, Jesse, Jess Pagula, obviously, she went through a ton, you know, I know in your time coaching her injuries and all sorts of things, obviously she's trying, she's growing up at the same time. You know, when right. you look back to your time with her as coaches, we, we usually have a pretty good idea about who's going to be good, that someone right. will be good, but you never really know what's the top level, what's their ceiling, how good will they truly be just becoming the most consistent player on tour, maybe outside of Swiatek, a top three, top five For player. For sure. I mean, remarkable. yeah, I, I, I think I probably had the most hope in her and, and most confident in her than probably anybody for, for many years. Um, That's definitely true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's definitely true. I mean, you know, I spent every day with her and, and you know, and saw her play um, probably 500 matches. And and um, the, what she's doing now, um, in the la- especially the last couple of years, is, is, is amazing. I mean, there's no doubt. I... I, I I, I never really thought she could be a top 10, top five player. Um, and then obviously she's close to number one in doubles. Um, you know, that, but, but I'm also the type of person that's hard to say, look at somebody, oh, that person's going to be number one for sure, number five. You know, so I always thought she could be like a good top 50 player, uh, maybe higher. And I knew obviously her doubles. Um, it was kind of funny. The first tournament I ever went to with her, she was telling me she's terrible in doubles. I don't know how to play doubles and blah, blah, blah. And then we actually, the first couple of years, um, she actually did probably better in doubles and singles. And um, I felt like it was really building, not just building her game, but building her confidence because she could beat a lot of girls in doubles um, that she probably quite wasn't ready to beat in singles um, the first couple of years. I mean, even her and Taylor Townsend made third round U.S. Open when Jesse was 17 and Taylor Townsend was 16. And they actually beat Yankovic in the second round. Yankovic was number one in the world. And so I felt like for somebody like Jesse at that point, uh, the year before that, she was playing qualifying of the juniors and she didn't even qualify. And then all of a sudden she's like in the second week of a grand slam and doubles. I mean, I think it really, you know, it's it's, it's pretty amazing, but it, it also showed her that she's, cap- you know, in a way like she can be there. Um, but I also, the amazing thing about Jesse is how much, uh, she loves tennis and she wants to get better. 
And even now, I mean, you know, she, I think she told me last uh, off season, she's like, if I could just improve my serve five ten percent, I know I can win a slam, you know. And so, yeah. obviously, with with her family background and you know all the resources and stuff they have for her to not only get through the injuries she did, but to to be playing her best tennis at this point in her career, um, really shows her love for the sport, her love for um, wanting to improve. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I like to think I had a little bit to do with that because, um, you know, I feel like she probably loves the game more now than she did when she was 16, when I first met her in a way. So, you know, that's, that, that kind of makes me proud, but I mean, <laughs> to think that she'd get to three in the world and num- number one or two in doubles, I mean, you know, it, it shows that pretty much anything is possible, but she's definitely deserved it because she's uh, put put the time and effort in many, many times over. You know, I, I think back to that time when, when you were coaching her, you know, I was really fortunate to, you know, spend some time on court with you when you would come and, you know, help out with some of the kids that I was working with in, in LA and Carson. Um, and just what do you think it is about you and the way you relate to players that I feel like you kind of spend on, you know, spend a little time on court with somebody, you know, five, 10 minutes behind them on the court. And all of a sudden they're playing like 10 times better. I mean, what's the, <laughs> what's the secret to the magic fairy dust there? Uh, yeah, I, I listen, I, well, I mean, well, first of all, I feel like the majority of girls in general, especially when they're playing, whether it's practice playing, I, I, most of them are a little bit too uptight to begin with. So, uh, and I say that in the best possible way, but, but women in general, I think are like somewhat perfectionists and, and they always want, you know, they want to please other people and they want to play, you know, and so usually I try to make them feel at ease quick, you know, and, yeah. and also let them know, like I was a player and I've been through that and everybody goes through that. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have as much experience, but yeah, as a coach, but, you know, a lot of the stuff like, some, some of the, uh, well, mostly Maria at the time, you know, I, she was more or less my first one I spent a lot of time with, but like a lot of stuff she was going through, like I went through as a player and I'm like, okay, well that, you know, that happened to me and that happened to a bunch of my friends and, you know, it's normal and blah, blah, blah. So I think I could relate to, to her well, because I played number one. Um, and I was still playing pretty good when I started working with her. So we'd play sets or point. Yeah. I was, I was a lot better than her as a tennis player, <laughs> yeah, even though I was retired. So she, I think she had a lot of respect for me with that. So that, that helped for sure. And then obviously going with Jesse, I think I, I think in a way I was the first person, I mean, partly because she, her family had a lot of money resources. She had a lot of help, like help, but almost like too much, you know, like obviously her parents wanted her to, um, give her everything possible to, to make her succeed. But at the same time, when you're 16 and you have, you know, a trainer and a coach and a hitting partner and this, this, everybody's telling you what to do, what you should do. But, and, and I'm a big believer, especially at the beginning, I really like to listen a lot to the players, um, you know, try to pick their brain a little bit about, you know, what they like, what they don't like, where they're comfortable. And so I, I think you have to learn a lot about the player um, before you can actually start giving advice, <laughs> you know, in a way, because, or you have to learn how to give it to them. So um, that's usually, and and just partly from experience, I feel like I kind of visualize, like, well, if I was playing and I had your game, what would I, 
want to do or what 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 do I want to do under pressure or what patterns seem to work you know so I tried to kind of break it down so it's simple for them but at the same time uh, try not to put too much pressure on that they do everything perfect right off the bat and then obviously as you spend more time then you can put in the time and the work and then usually it's it works out pretty good but I would say that's I mean that's the fairy dust <laughs> as much as as you can have you know yeah no I think you know you raised a couple of interesting points and it just it kind of it jogs my sort of gets my brain going and thinking about there's some high profile coaches who I think when you see from the outside it's very clearly about them and about yeah it's like their way or the highway exactly their way or the highway and and they want to be you know uh, or work you know. with one player so <laughs> you got to do it that way with another player yeah I, yeah, yeah that, and, and and they want to be you know they want to be the guy who carries the racket bag all the way to the door you know when the t- when the tv camera's <laughs> <Right>. on <laughs> you know right right uh, right but you know you are someone obviously who has legit credentials as a player and you're you know you're, you're it seems like you're constantly putting the player first i mean how have you kind of navigated you know someone who particularly you know being yeah. with you know when you're associated with maria for so long you can't help but be high profile sure, you, know, you sure. you're like a high profile guy who has managed to stay as behind the scenes as someone could for that. No, for right. reaching that level. Well, well, it, it, it's kind of funny actually. Like I was, I, I was when, even when I started coaching Maria, let's say, and she started having a lot of success, I was still more proud of what I did as a player. So yeah, in a way, or like mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, I hate it in a way. I mean, without sounding, you know, bad, I, coaching was almost like a step back especially coaching women in my mind at that point you know i mean right. i when I, I was pretty young i mean when you look at the players now i mean I, back in those days uh, most players were stopping by 30 let's say i mean if you played 32 33 it was like you had to be like a really really you know top top 50 player or something and so you know i i I mean, it certainly wasn't like, and I don't want to say embarrassed or something, but I, I, you know, all of a sudden I saw, saw the world as like a a top junior, let's say winning Kalamazoo and then, you know, going to at 18, going to the U S open and everybody, I was going to go to college, but then I ended up signing and turning pro and everybody, you get tons of clothes and everybody's like kind of mm-hmm. kissing your butt and you're the <laughs> next big thing. And then all of a sudden, like a couple a year goes by two years and then you're struggling. And then all of a sudden you're a nobody. And then I got back, you know, got up to 60 in the world and then you're like a somebody again. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, then you like hurt my wrist. And then I came back and then it's the same pa- pattern all over again. I get by, by the time I was 27, 28, I couldn't even get, I think there's actually a match where I played gamble at the UCLA tournament and, and um, it's actually Jeff Grant was the commentator and he was like kind of in a way like laughing at me that, that I looked like I got my shirt at, at Walmart and this and that. And, and, and then the funny thing is I did. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> right. You know, I did, I bought the dry fits at like target for five <laughs> bucks, you know? So, I, but, but the point was, is I, as a player, I saw like the ups and downs and, and and you know and then and then all of a sudden then when I started coaching Maria it was almost like laughable within like a week of like agreeing to go on the road with her 
I'm getting like uh, Nike clothes, you know, like tons of shoes. I mean, I'm going to Wimbledon and they're giving me four pairs of grass court shoes and I'm <laughs> giving them to Zach Fleischman and, and yeah. Kevin Kim, you know, I mean, it, like, so for me, it was like, oh, yeah, she's great. And, and Maria just wanted to win and I just wanted to win. So it was like, I wasn't even thinking about the money. I wasn't thinking, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, you know, we have a shot to, you know, be number one or whatever. And so to me, that was a lot more important than necessarily like being seen or anything like that. And maybe to my detriment in some ways, I mean, you know, at 50 years old, I mean, I obviously, you know, nowadays with the social media and this, you know, people like want to be promoted. They want to see what, what players are doing. Players want to promote themselves. Back then it was like, kind of like, if something's working, you don't want anybody else to know. I mean, Maria and I used to go practice at, you know, Terangle, you know, places nobody could see us. If we were mm -hmm. at tournaments, if somebody started filming, you know, back then the players didn't like that. You know, you tell them not to film. So you kind of wanted to be under the radar, like for, for, you know, for years. It, that was like norm for me. And then, and then obviously with, with Jesse, it was like kind of like the same thing. I mean, obviously it took her a while to get, you know, get going, but with her family, you know, being who they were and, you know, her family started to get pretty well known with the dad buying the hockey team, football team. So like I, we wanted to kind of not tell everybody where we were, what we're doing kind of, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's weird because that's kind of like what I was used to. Um, obviously now the last few years, especially, um, you know, with social media and the promotion, this and that, um, it, it's a totally different world, you know, really. I mean, <laughs> what like Mark Togaloo is doing, um, <laughs> is, is incredible. I mean, I, I, regardless of uh, what I think of him as a coach or a man or whatever, I mean, incredible business man. I mean, <laughs> you know, business. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, regardless of how he does it or did it or whatever, um, and maybe five, ten percent of the people make fun of it because, uh, you know, he's in 30 player boxes and he you know, <laughs> right. supports, you know, supports those players before they become famous. And, he, you know, he has the money to do whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, the other 90 percent of tennis fans and stuff think that he's amazing. So, you know, he's 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 done great at that. So and, and the, so the thing, I feel like just kind of in a way the the teams have gotten a lot bigger um you know you see players with five people now six people um i just think the way of the world's changed a little bit and and at the end of the day for me if the most important thing is is helping the players you know i mean i, I even if i'm with somebody who's playing a, a 15 25k or you know they win a match or you work on something you see them improve like to me that kind of uh, makes me feel just as good whether it's um you know, on a huge stage or doubles. I mean, I loved working with Tamea and winning, winning a few grand slams and doubles. I mean, you know, so uh, Ashland national junior, you know, it, it, so I, I, in a way I'm proud of that, that I've been able to kind of help players at, at all levels and, um, and be part of um, the success obviously of, of, of players. That's kind of what we do. It's funny. I was trying to explain that to someone the other day because you know you get kind of uh, 
put in a box like if you work with pro players and oh you wouldn't want to work with you know my son or my daughter or you wouldn't want to work with me and and I try to say like no like I love being on court with someone who just wants to get better you know and if they'll if they're willing yeah, to listen to, you know if they'll listen to me and they'll concentrate you know for a lesson like I'm no, so exactly. happy it's so fun you know well that's I mean that that's exactly right I mean it's um yeah I mean and that's kind of what I've done even when I used to coach Maria, I, like it's kind of cool. There's this girl Vivian Wolf. She's like she went to UCLA. She played at Georgia, and uh, she's up to like 300 now or something. A German girl, but she lived in LA for many years. And and Maria, when whenever I had weeks off with Maria, um, I used to work with her all the time when she was like eight, nine years old. And then she ended up coming to Charleston for a couple couple years when I was working with Jesse. And, you know, just to see, like, you know, obviously she got scholarships to college and now she's on the tour and she's like 23 years old. But like, you know, it, I had just as much fun working with, I mean, I come straight back from like, I don't know what, but Maria winning a big tournament and like two days later, I'm on the court with this like eight year old <laughs> and I loved it. So, yeah, it's great. You know, it's, it, it's kind of like always been like that for me. So, um, you know, it's, it's. I kind of feel like like I'm the same if you can but I think a lot of people think that also we like to coach um just at the big tournaments or like you said at the big level and stuff and I mean of course when you have that opportunity um and, and it's a good opportunity it works well with you and the player there's no doubt it's it's fun and it's gratifying but at the same time um, you can have that that same feeling, and you know, like a junior tournament, or or you know, just spending the time with somebody and seeing and, and helping them become not a better player, and it makes them happier, you know, in their life, and and then like you said, opens doors, and I think being part of that is is the main reason we do it. it, it it's always been like that for me. Yeah. So right now is junior sectionals, you know, here in Southern California, and uh, this kid yesterday was like. He tell me about his matches over the weekend. He made it to the second weekend, like which is coming up. And but he's like, you know, that thing we worked on with the forehand in our last lesson, like it really worked. And I had totally forgotten. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, what did we work on? You know? And yeah. he told me he's like, no, he's like, I did it so many times, like where you, you know you just take a quick step back and let the ball rise and then you hit it. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, right. but like, but the kids were so happy. You know what I mean? And like he was like he well, learned something and was so excited yeah. to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, when I look back, even myself as a kid growing up. um, you know, my dad would take me to some some different coaches or work with, you know, I had different coaches growing up and work, work with different people. But, like, I can remember, like, things that probably, like, five to ten coaches told me, whether they're coaches or, you know, hitting partner from UCLA or Philip Agassi or, you know, whatever. I can go through the list. I mean, obviously, Robert Landstorp taught me was my main coach taught me strokes you know once twice a week from a young age but I learned how to play and compete and and stuff from so many people and um you know my dad used to drop me off at the tennis place or that old club on Mm, third street or whatever and I'd play uh, all the guys over there Bruce Foxworth and Clay Redwood and Steve Joyner and Vince Mann I mean I could go through the list I mean I learned a little bit from from everybody and um whether they told me or whether you know we whatever but the point is is that's you know it's it's fun actually working with the juniors and it's fun um because they're 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 like 
if you have a good one and, and they want to get better, they're like sponges. And they, in, in some ways, they maybe appreciate more because um, they're learning. You know, it's uh, sometimes you get a top player, especially if they've already been really good and you're trying to help them come back or get back. You kind of have to go through that a little bit of phase where they like, you know, want to play like they did before or this worked before. And now you have to approach it a little bit different. And, um, you know, and sometimes that's a little tougher than when you have a, you know, 14 year old kid and, and, and they're just so excited just to learn and try new things. And if it works, they, you know, they're, they thank you. And then they, you, they obviously earn your the confidence, the conf, you know, it's, 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 but that's the beauty of what we do. We, we can work with all levels and, and, and it, it's fun, fun for us anyway. So now with like the technology that we have, I mean, it's it's easier than ever before to connect with people kind of all over the place. And with so many players who are looking for, you know, who want to learn and who want to get better, I think it's a good segue into your next project. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll have, well, I have a kind of a philosophy, I mean, not a philosophy, but when I really started to think about it, obviously, you know, with videos and they have the analytics department, you know, and then. Obviously, that's been around for a while, but, um, you know, as coaches, we had to a lot of times take information and then, you know, put a small amount to our players, let's say, for like a scouting report or, or, or something. But, um, you know, there's nothing like watching with the naked eye, you know. I mean, it's obviously the watching video and stuff is, is good, the next best thing. Um, but I could read like a, a report where people hit this and that. I really feel like much better watching and, and and it was interesting because um when i was at the usta for a couple years i got it you know i worked with a lot of these younger players who um were either going to go to college you know a year or two away from college or you know obviously a couple of them turned pro <clears throat> but what i found that a lot of them is that obviously uh the players improve more when they're working on specific stuff for them you know, for their game, right. no matter what the age, um, you know, drills and practice and, and stuff like that. And, and usually, it's, you know, watching a couple matches, a couple practices, I have a pretty good idea what the players should, should be focusing on and working on. With that being said, there's, uh, you know, some of those players end up going to college and then they're, you know, they're at a school with 12 other players and they got one or two coaches and, you know, all the players have to um, do the same drills. And, you know, you know how it is in college. I mean, they, sure. the coaches are doing the best they can. <clears throat> but a lot of these players also are, are, are training like pros and all of a sudden they go into college and then they, they're, they're limited on how much they can practice. Um you know, all of a sudden they got to start thinking about school. A lot of times they go to another city there, you know, so, so what, what I started to do is try to help a few of them, obviously from home. I mean, I had no choice. To, and, and so um, I found that some of them, I could get like a hit, hitter, or, you know, obviously if I could watch some of their matches, especially if I knew them, I could say, Oh, listen, you, you know, you, you're not doing this as well, or you're too far back or, you know, whatever. But then, like, are you working on it the right way? And then usually they're like, no, we're not doing anything like we were doing before, <laughs> you know, and then it's pretty easy to find a hitting partner, um, you know, or, or some of the juniors or what, what's happened to, which I'm sure happens to you sometimes is you work with a junior for a week or two weeks and, and you, you, you know, they, they 
you have a good everything's good and they're they're improving they feel good and then all of a sudden they have to go home or you, or you got to do something and go on the road and then you don't see them for a couple months and you know they, you lose that momentum and I, I found that I was able to do that a little bit from the computer and so I decided to start a website which is michaeljoycetennis.com and it's kind of in a um, kind of in the process of um, of being uh, totally done, but, but, you know, I'm pretty much offering like if any juniors or pros, college players want me to watch some of their matches and, and do an evaluation on the match and give an idea like through zoom or talk to them um, through zoom and, and suggest even maybe talk to them and their coach um, and, and, you know, try to give an idea of what they need to start working on and, and, and how to kind of structure the practices Um you know, that's one one thing I'm offering. Another is to actually do work with them every week where, you know, I see them every week, uh, see some practices. Obviously, they're not playing matches all the time and just kind of um, kind of overlook their, um, you know, practice and stuff, um, you know, with their coach or their parent or whatever. And so I'm, I'm offering kind of like a personal um uh website you know where i can kind of be involved with their development and then and then obviously as you know a lot of the juniors and stuff they don't know what to play they we have utr we have usta we have all, you know some some players are trying to get itf point and and a lot of them are confused on what to play and you know so i feel like i can help um pass that to um you know lots of people uh, all over the world so we'll see how it works out but i'm excited because um you know, especially, you know, I opened the Instagram account a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm trying to get that going. And, but, you know, I'm not looking to do a ton of promotion because obviously I want to, I'm not looking to get 20,000 people. I'm looking to get a few that I can really help be involved with their, uh, you know, with their everyday, uh, what they're doing. Wow. That's really exciting, man. And like I told you, you know, when we were texting about it, uh, maybe the week, a week or two ago, um, I think you're going to get a lot of interest really fast and, uh, more important, more importantly than that, I think a lot of players are really going to be helped, you know, by having an, an eye like yours, you know, who's able to give them that feedback and give them that sort of make that connection between this is what you need to work on. And, and then specific, specifically, this is how you work on it. Exactly. And, and one thing that's really cool uh, is that actually one coach, who I was work, helping, well, I'm still helping this one player, but the coach who helps her, um, he's loving it because a lot of the drills, a lot of the stuff we're doing, he's like taking it to other lessons and stuff. And he says that there, he's actually like, like working more than ever because the players are improving and he has a clear plan, exactly what he needs to do. And, you know, he, hit, he hits pretty good so he can hit with them. And so he's like my biggest fan of all because he's like, this is great. I'm learning like new drills, new things to do. That's and, great. You got to charge know, that guy I, extra. Well, that's what I said. I said, oh, you're not even paying dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. So I, I think it will be good, especially like internationally and stuff. I mean, a lot of these countries, um, uh, you know, they, they would love to have advice from, um, you know, experienced coach and stuff. And they just don't even have the, you know, typically without the internet, they don't have the opportunity to do it. You know, some guy from India, coach in India, what's he going to come to U.S. for like a month? I mean, that's probably what they did in the past and then go back. But now you can do it in 30 minutes on a Zoom call, which which is like uh, pretty amazing. So I'm trying to get up to speed with that a little bit. That's awesome. man. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be super, super cool. I think it's going to be very well received. And 
Um, listen, this has been a great chat. I'm going to let you go. But last question, what? where are we at in the Lakers? Well, I'm really, like, as beautiful as it is here in Colorado, it's like the other night I went to go get something to eat up at the thing, and everybody was celebrating, and I was like, ah, the Nuggets, man. I, I forgot I was Denver's only. I mean, they swept us. Ugh. And I, and you know what's unbelievable? I really thought they were going to win game two. I mean, they should have won game two. And I feel like the whole series would have been different. But um, that one guy got hot, that amazing shooter, whatever. But, I mean, the, listen, I am I was kind of pleasantly surprised this this season. Because like the second half of the year, how they kind of Well, yeah, the way yeah. it was looking, I mean, we might have even said it to, I mean, halfway through the year, they – it looked like they weren't even gonna make you know playoffs, and then all of a sudden they they I gotta give the with GM or whatever credit for made some good moves, and I was proud like how LeBron and and um, Davis like you know they 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 played hard, they stepped up. So I mean, not everybody can be a winner, right? But maybe that maybe that's some good momentum for next year. All right, we'll leave it there. Michael Joyce, thanks for coming on the show, man. Great to chat with you as always. Awesome, and, uh, Mark. Look thanks, forward to thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me, and, and, and you do a great job. We'll talk oh, thank later. MichaelJoyceTennis.com, right? Yeah, yeah, MichaelJoyceTennis.com. Check it out. Hey, that's it for today. This has been Check the Mark. That was Michael Joyce. Big thanks to Michael for coming on. Check out his website, MichaelJoyceTennis.com. Com. I'm Mark Lucero. Hit me up on the gram or Twitter at Mark Lucero. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you want to hear from the grass. I hear my dog barking downstairs. Got to go put out some fires. Enjoy the weekend. Talk to you later. I am out.